and welcome to We Are Definitely Wizards. My name's Richard, I shall be your host for today, or tomorrow, or in the future, or in the past. For after all, we can walk through space, and we can walk through time, because we are magical people. Now joining me tonight, I have a scholar of sorts, a person who has studied lots, who has looked into the ancient scrolls, and he has come out with a doctorate. It is one, it is the one and the only Dr. Tom Lovewell, and he is from Breadwell Games, and he is here to talk about this rather fantastic, amazing game, which is all about wizards and spellcasting, which is called Kazing, which is coming to Kickstarter um, at the end of this month, the month of October, just before the witching hour. Isn't that right, Dr. Tom? That's right. It's coming out in time for All Hallows' Eve. There you go. When all the witches, witch wizards, and goosties and ghoulies come out, and I go hide and cry in the corner. Which, which is why we're. Um, which is why this is a wizarding special. Just, yes. just for you. I was gonna. I was gonna Thank go you, against you. the grain, but I thought we might as well embrace it because we are it, coming. It, embrace the spellcasting and the wands and everything. Yeah. Don't push your luck. Um, okay. <laughs> The reason that we do this is because um, we're past episode 200. We're, it's our boldly going on with our ongoing mission to to seek out the best in, in guests and to bring them to your door. Um, and because you deserve it and we like you very, very, very much. Yes, you sitting there listening just now, you're awesome. And the other reason that we do this is because I met Tom at Tabletop Scotland and... We were gonna, we were gonna have a little chat, and then he was so busy yep. at his stand in his booth that we ended up mm-hmm. basically sharing a packet of crisps and a tin of juice over a table and having a little chat, yep. and then talking about having a chat. Now, isn't that right? Yes, it is. That's right. Well, you did t- speak to Sally, who was on the store next to me, who's mm. a friend who also helped develop the game. So, you know, yeah, someone glamorous to talk to instead. <laughs> Is that you or is that is that Sally? Oh, certainly Sally. She's far more glamorous <laughs> than I am. She doesn't wear silly Hawaiian shirts and wizard's hats like I do. I guess I just think there should be a law against that, to be perfectly honest. But that's beside beside my prejudices and obviously my dislike for the, those who wear hats and are late. Um, mm-hmm. What we like to do is we like to find out a little bit about everybody's past that comes on the show. So do you want to tell us a little oh. bit about maybe how you got... How you got into the hobby in the first place? Well, um, back in the day, so sort of mid-early 90s, I picked up um, Space Marine, so little um, epic scale uh, Warhammer 40,000, mm-hmm. mm-hmm. and that progressed into um, diving straight into 40k. And so myself and my brother used to play a lot of that. We'd play sort of the typical board games of Monopoly with family, but also Ghost Castle and all of that bit. Mm-hmm. But I got hooked by miniatures games and so have been dabbling, with the odd exception here and there, in miniatures games or other things since then. So I've um, played for 40k, um, went into Warhammer for a bit, um, moved to War Machine, um, and yeah, also went to um, Flames of War. But then I about eight, nine years ago, possibly, no, a bit more than that, uh, probably nine, ten, I started with um, Tour Gaming. They had early stages of Relics. Mm-hmm. So um, when I was 
doing my PhD at the latter stages, I helped them with the playtesting and development of a tabletop board game. And so oh. that sort of really helps me grasp not only the fact that I enjoyed playing yeah. not only miniatures games, but also role-playing games and other things, but I actually got a hand on the um, game development, developing rules and things. And so um, from that point, I started helping and sending Gavin, who's running tour gaming, mm. ideas for different factions, how to do the rules and things. Um, uh, and some of it he listened to me, and most of it he sensibly edited out. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, that took me sort of in in the realms of I quite like actually designing games as well as playing them. So, so um, going back to your kind of your... Your original kind of miniatures roots. Were you were you yes. a type of person that had like shelves and shelves with you know obviously with your brother being involved as well? Did you have quite a healthy collection? I, I had a healthy collection for then. Uh-huh. Um, I think with the way that forty k going from second edition to now eighth edition, yeah. I think I had a sensible fifteen hundred points back in the day, mm-hmm. which is now probably more like six hundred points of Imperial Guard. Mm-hmm. So, um, but yes, I. Um, I got the Chimera when it first came out, um, and I had all the different plastic Castachans and Valhallans and things. Mm-hmm. And my brother, ca- my brother collected Eldar, and so we sort of both had sort of fights on um, dining room tables and things. Um, but also had some friends that played, um, and that's when Necromunda came out, and also Gorkamorka. And so we dabbled in sort of with Gorkamorka with the Orcs a bit, but it was mainly we each had mm-hmm. a faction and. It, ha- it kept it sort of to a sensible size, not shelves and shelves and shelves. That waited until I was in my thirties. How how many? How many? How many did you have then compared to how many you have now? I'm a hoarder. So, with the exception <laughs> of selling my uh, dwarves for Warhammer, yeah, I've still got everything else. So, I've still got my fifteen hundred points of um, Imperial Guard. How many? How many the- is that? How many is fifteen hundred points? <laughs> So there's a few Lehman Russ, um, a Basilisk Griffin, some Chimeras, and about 120, 140 models. Um, that's what I'm talking but about. That's, but, but that's just the 40k. I've also got pretty much every single Relics model that came out because yeah. that's what I got for helping develop. I've got um, some Kador for... War Machine, when I played that, I've got um, Flames of War. I had an American um, armoured um, company, mm-hmm. so I've got those kicking around. I'm currently playing Malifaux, so I've got a couple of crews for that. Uh, and I mainly play Guild, but I dabble occasionally with Outcasts. Um, and I also play uh, Warhammer Underworlds a bit, and I'm going to be good and not call it Shadespire. But everyone else still will. So, was well, that controversial? Well, it was always called Warhammer Underworlds, but everyone called it Shadespire because it's simpler. And now that Night Vault's out, mm-hmm. I think Games Workshop will want to call it Warhammer Underworlds. But everyone's just going to go, "No, nah, it's the next Shadespire event," <laughs> because that's just what we remember. Yeah, I'm a simpleton at heart. So, okay, so how many figures do you have now? Would you um, say is it hundreds? Is it thousands? Yes. No, not not thousands. I'd be in too much trouble with the misses. <laughs> um, but definitely hundreds yeah. um, in, in different locations. So some some aren't played with anymore, so I don't play the 40K anymore. Uh-huh. Um, but 
yeah, I've I've got a healthy collection of things. So, but I'm rubbish at painting, and it takes me ages. So I've got a few things that are yes, I've got a fully painted army, mm. and other things which are well, it's got a spray paint of one base color, so that'll do. Right. And a couple of bits are this is the silver horde, but I. Tr- you know, for when I play tournaments with Malafo, I've tried to use as many of the painted models that I've got. So I do have a painted crew and things mm-hmm. like that. So it's mm-hmm. not it's not all entirely nude as the day is born. But for um, Warhammer uh, Underworlds, yeah, they've just come out, they've snapped them and just go, yeah, well, they're green to the orcs. <laughs> Sorry, orcs, that'll do. The skeletons are white, that'll do. Yeah. I'm just not going to paint them because... Yeah, I'm not a painter. I'm a player. You do get a lot of people that you. I'm a, I'm amazed. I'm constantly amazed about the level of detail that you get on um, that you get on some of the these miniatures that people have obviously put the time into yeah, actually uh, playing a painting them. And I, I I don't I I I'm a little bit. I'm kind of well. I'm a lot into art, but I can't imagine me actually sitting down and being able to do something like that to the level of detail that they get well i can't (laughs) (laughs) i know what my skill sets are yes i make sure that there's colors on them so for my opponent particularly at competitions they've got something to play against (laughs) but i am never going to be a good artist i am never ever going to win anything for best painted model but as long as it's got color on it that's fine (laughs) yeah exactly i know what my skill sets are exactly it's like why is why is that one white and grey and black? Because somebody told me to put a wash in it. <laughs> it's like, yeah, yeah, it's meant to be a very, very light thing, a wash. It's not meant, it's called a wash. It's not called a bath or a drowning, <laughs> you know, kind of thing. So. Uh, well, I don't know. I've got some of the icy bods. I've forgotten the name for the Vatier race of relics. Uh-huh. And they're really good because it could just, yeah, they're white and then a wash and then a highlight. It's like, that actually doesn't look too bobbins. So... <laughs> I'll I'll go with that. That that's quite nice. Um, but yeah, other things are just well. Maybe it had a bit of a a swim, you know, kind of. It did a width of the paint pot, but you know, at, at least there's colour on it. At least it's not part of the silver horde. That's my view. I remember I did my um, I did paint my hero quest um, originally because I had um, I've owned hero quest twice. I had the advanced hero quest and then I had the original hero quest and I painted the. Really? original hero quest and I painted I think I painted one of each so I painted obviously the um, the gargoyle, I painted the barbarian with his broad sword um, so I yeah. painted him I did the elf, I did the dwarf I did the I did the wizard obviously something happened to the wizard, yeah. I don't know What about the firmier? Yes I did in fact, do you know what I did with the do you know what I did with the firmier is um, I customised them and there was, because I got a set of other orcs, because I think I bought Advanced Hero Quest, and there was a group of orcs, and then I went and bought a small, another team of orcs, and I had like a spare arm, so I think I stuck it on the back of the female, and had this so third three-armed. arm, third arm coming out of its back with like some huge sword kind of dangling underneath. I think it was, I don't think it was me. It wasn't a Tyranid arm, because I would have remembered, because I had the um, Advanced Space Crusade with the with the Tyranids in it, and um, mm-hmm. they were a... 
That was talk about Games Workshop kind of dropping you in gently from a massive height when it came to kind of like creating the models. It was just ridiculous. But uh, yeah, I painted at least one, I think. My barbarian looked like he was wearing... Do you know what? My barbarian looked like he'd gone to one of those um, piers at the seaside mm-hmm. and somebody, yep. had, somebody had played a trick by smearing the smearing the eyepiece with kind of black shoe polish or something like that because he looked like he had... <laughs> Huge, huge cartoon anime type eyes. So well, just I kind of I give up on painting eyes on mine. I'm just not that good. It's like look, they, they, they've got skin tone, they've got a face wash. That'll do. So exactly. I, quite, I play Lady Justice quite a lot for uh, Malifo, uh-huh. and she's got a blindfold, so it's brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> Don't have to bother about painting eyes. I just paint it's like she's it's got a blindfold so fantastic i know and then you see other people and they've got like the magnifying glass out and it's like what are you doing i'm doing the eyelashes it's like what and they've got like this single brush that's as small yep. as you could ever get and they're like dink 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 i'm actually doing right see in the book i'm actually doing writing in the book it's like oh my mm-hmm. word and if you zoom in far enough you can actually see that it is actually writing that they've done and not just symbols to make themselves look clever and uh, yeah so it's just showing I'd be sunk um, I have typical doctor's handwriting it looks like a spider has <laughs> dove into a pot of ink and tap danced across the page it's you know my normal quick handwriting is bobbin so to try to paint handwriting in a book that is anyway legible it's like that the only thing I could draw eyelash, paint eyelashes on is that new big Cthulhu from Death May Die thing that's the size of a baby and that's the only thing I've got a chance of doing eyelashes on exactly, I couldn't paint eyelashes on myself, let alone a model to be perfectly honest, I'd still end up looking like widowed wanky um, it would not be It would not be a good time to be perfectly, it would be awful um, but when, I mean when, you're doing the, when you were doing the playtesting yep. I mean is there stuff that's in the game that you you could look back and say, yeah, I was, I did that, I was involved in that. I mean, that's un, I mean, that's really, yeah. really, un, that's really, really unusual for you to be so um, involved at a process. Yeah, well, I got um, developers credit in the version one and version one point one rulebook, and wow. there's effectively at least one um, profile, so one unit mm-hmm. for each race that I dreamt up. So. For Fatia, there's the Evocator, which was one of the sort of low-level commanders, mm-hmm. um, and that was kind of for my creation. I also helped with other bits where there was some uh, artwork or some concept art, mm-hmm. and so I helped suggest rules for them. So there's bits where I, w- I had ideas, and I just went right. Here's some ideas, Gavin. Posted them off, mm-hmm. you know, sent them off to him, and he either kept them, modified them, or binned them. Um, and, and bits changed completely. So, um, I came up with an idea for a watchtower for the Red End race. And that's turned into, um, a kind of a chicken dragon type creature with a tower in the back. And that's the only thing that stayed in there. Mm-hmm. But the concept of that unit I came up with, Gavin just went, well, I like the concept, but how the rules work now, completely ditch that and do something <laughs> sensible. But, um, <laughs> But it, I think it helped because that provided for Gavin ideas for different things that he could take from rather than it always being just one person. There was um, someone to bounce off. So Yeah, um, yeah. 
it's but very, I, I just like the playtesting process, really. Yeah, it's very easy to run dry if you're just kind of going by yourself as well, if you're trying to come up with ideas. Because you can end up thinking, yeah. I'm going to do try and do something completely different. But I kind of know this works. So if we try and do a variation of that, and then it just ends up just kind of looking like a like a kind of variation. I mean, with that yeah. kind of, with that kind of early development, I guess, success under your belt, was it then difficult to just kind of be kind of playing games and not, and not wanting to kind of mod them or make changes to them or come up with your own kind of variations of stuff? Um, I'm quite easy to, happy to play games without modding them. And it's mainly due to the people I play games with that mm-hmm. they just want to play according to the rules. And, um, I'm very happy to stick with the rules because that's kind of what you need to do in a, a research lab. You, you need to know to follow, <laughs> exactly. you know, you've got to follow exactly. the instructions. Otherwise, mm-hmm. um, the experiment's going to f- fall on its backside. So mm. you've got to learn to follow the instructions at points. I'm quite happy with that, but I still dabbling by designing. <laughs> I always like this Bunsen burner with a cigarette. <laughs> kind of and you're like, no, 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 it's fine. No, I'm just calling oh, call oh, me no, crazy. We still, we still break things. It's just, it's planned <laughs> breaking things. That, that's the difference. It's, it's never, oh, I'll just see what happens ad hoc. It's yeah. like that. I'm intentionally going to break it. That's what science is. Engineers build things. Scientists break things. <laughs> just to see what, just to see what, see what makes it tick. I, I guess. Well, it is. That that's generally the principle of if I take this out of where it normally is and put it in something else. Mm-hmm. So effectively breaking something else. We'll see how it works. Or if I damp, you know, if I do something to X and then see what happens to the system. Will, will experience it. So in some way, shape or form, either the thing that you're testing gets broken mm-hmm. or the thing that you're testing it in is broken because you've added something weird to it. Mm-hmm. So something along the way gets broken if you're dealing <coughs> doing science. Okay. So, um, but no, I didn't have a problem with modding games. I just kind of went and designed my own. Yeah. So, um, Do you and, get- and that's what I've been doing. Do you get kind of quite analytical then when you're going into the design process? With, you obviously, your your profession, your job, your training. I mean, are you are you likely to kind of analyse things from different angles? Or are you the type of person that says, well, if I try and approach this from several different ways, there's a potentiality that kind of one of them is going to work for me? It, it's a two-thing step process kind of thing. So the first concept is I have an idea for something. Mm-hmm. So with Kazing, I had an idea and I just chucked the cards together and went, right, let's see what happens. So I put a load of different movements, put them onto cards and had a couple of games with them in very raw form with some friends to go, does the concept actually work? And it seemed to be. And then I went, right, okay, now let's actually have a look at the cards, look at the movements and think about them. So the first step was just a very raw concept, thrash it out. And then there was that analysis where, generally speaking, each card has got a movement and a position and with a couple of movements accepted, you can't do your movement from that position. So it was very, it was analysed. There's definitely some analysis in there. But similarly, first time out, it's just, let's just chuck the ideas down and see whether the principle works and then fine-tune it and then go go back to playtesting and then fine-tuning. So there is an element of analysis, but it's no never analysis without observation as well. So, um, and I'm a great believer of making sure that you play test enough. 
which is why it's taken two and a bit years before I've got to this point, because I've wanted to make sure that the mechanics work and I've had enough time to look at pe- different people playing it and getting feedback and things. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Do I mean, so. with, um, with, like, say, when you were playtesting Kazing, and see compared to kind of other other bigger games out there mm-hmm. where they seem to kind of not have the kind of the rule book kind of down they're still working on stuff and things like that do you feel there's a bit more of a pressure for you to kind of produce the fully fledged fully finished article over say maybe a, a steamforged or a seamon of this world where the rules kind of don't come out until maybe halfway through the campaign or they're always kind of getting changed or here, have a look at this and tell us what you think kind of thing? Well, I wanted to make sure the rules were at as good a level to start off with. Yeah. Um, but with Kizzing, there's there's going to be additions because it's, it, I've, I took the view, it's like a pack of cards. Mm-hmm. that You've got these cards, you can go and play games X, Y and Z with them. Mm-hmm. But actually, you can come and think of a different way. So I'm sure there are different game modes, I've called them, I think, in the rules of you, there's three different ways from the pack that I've thought of that you can play the game. Mm-hmm. But actually, there's more than that. There's I've got ideas for expansions with that. The other day, I had an idea of changing it a little bit, making it a bit more fun, kind of like a dance mode, for want of a better description, mm-hmm. kind of game. So there's going to be additions of, well, actually, there are different ways you can play it. But the core movement of the wand the wand movements from the cards that will stay the same but there will be additions from it to it sorry because i think it can be added to but i wanted to make sure that the three core um game modes were sorted that it worked at the different difficulty levels um for different age groups and things that was all at least fairly solid and critically people could pick up the rule book and go i know how to play it rather than go pick up the rule book and go, I think I know how to play it, but I'm just going to reread it and about three times to understand. And my first iteration of the rules, it gave them to people and people went, it looks very nice, but how do I play? And I think the current iteration, people are able to pick it up without me around to explain. And I wanted that. And that's why I've been holding off for the last sort of six months before wanting to release it because I'm I knew I wanted the game where people could pick up the rules and play it rather than go, I've got to pick up the rules a second or third time. Is that a difficult thing to achieve when you've been so close to kind of like developing a game and and playtesting a game and almost kind of controlling the environment in which that game is played? Is it dif- oh. Is it difficult to kind of put it into a place where I can actually, you know, I can take this deck... You know, I can take it out. I've got the rules in front of me and I can go ahead and just start playing straight away without you kind of rocking up at my door and saying, well, look, put put these cards here, put those cards here and away you go kind of thing. I think it it is a tricky element insofar as you've got to go and ask people. And generally people are nice and go, yes, I will do it. Mm-hmm. But it, it requires asking things of people. And the difficulty I, I have had was people that I was developing and playtesting with, I can't use them to blind playtest. So you've got to go elsewhere to get that feedback on a rule book. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so you've got to approach people that you may not have approached before uh, and kind of get 
uh, a wider group of people for this blind play testing. And so I'm really grateful to people now that I've got the, the rules to a to a better iteration yeah. to have taken it blind and give me feedback. But the advantage from the science point of view is I've had to write research papers. I've had to write my thesis and then have a viva. I'm used to people giving me feedback that I've never met before. And I'm quite happy with that. That's, that's a very useful skill the science has given me is I'm quite happy to take feedback from people. I know it's part of the learning process. I know it's part of making it better. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm just, it's that difficult element of kind of sending an email to people or uh, catching them at conventions saying, would you mind taking a look at my game, please? And I'm not always the most outgoing of people. So that's the the bit that's the hardest part, I think, is finding extra people to help you outside mm-hmm. of your normal crowd. Mm-hmm. Is that also the same then with the marketing? side of things as well I mean does that is that part and parcel being able to actually reach out to people and say hey I've got this thing would you like to have a chat about it or you know would you like to find out some more I'm very much so it's um, I, I kind of generated our first game vote me partly because I didn't want to just jump in there with Kazing and sort of show to people, I've got a game, I think it's brilliant, I think you will too, mm-hmm. without anything to show for it. So I kind of uh, launched on Vote Me First as sort of a smaller kind of game, a party game, which mm-hmm. it, it isn't relatively inoffensive, it, it's a bit of fun, it's a lot of improv, but I could learn the ropes as well. And also I felt that when I got onto Kazing, I could say to people, look, I know what I'm doing, I've got something, we're, we're substance to us, because it's not just one game, or it's not just two games, there's others. I wanted to feel that we've got a portfolio as Red World Games rather than just, I've got an idea for a great game mm-hmm. and that's it. I wanted there to feel like some substance. That was, um, yeah, okay. that's just okay. been my approach, really. Okay. So, um, so how, I mean, you, you said that Kazing has obviously been in production for two and a half years. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, you mentioned other games there as well. So I mean, what's what's yeah. the other games that you've been kind of developing, and, and how did they come along in the journey? I mean, what made, what happened to you two and a half years ago to make you sit down and go, actually, do you know what? And you kind of clap your hands and rub them in glee and say, right, okay, let's start. Let's actually start getting something developed. Well, when I was helping with tour gaming, um, we spitballed some ideas some things with dragons and other bits and so I've actually just discovered going through all my clutter as I said earlier I'm a hoarder mm-hmm. uh, I discovered um, an idea I put together um, back then but I started generating something kind of based on some of the relics things and then I looked at the game and went well I've got 120 cards for one player and the similar for the others and all these dice and I just went I think it'd be a good game but that's just going to be a complete pain mm-hmm. to play test and things so I've still got that design that I could revisit at some point but I went I need something simpler and so I went from that and kind of used the fact that it was a bit magical based and went well let's go for something a bit more simpler and um, for anyone who's around in the 90s may have played Magic Carpet by Bullfrog Games on the computer mm-hmm. and that's all about movements of arms to create you know, you move the mouse and if it's a perfect circle, that'd be a perfect fireball kind of thing. Mm-hmm. But my son has watched Tree Food Tom and that <laughs> has a lot of movements to send the magic to the character. 
and those kind of things kind of percolated in my brain and that's how Kazing was born and that had the advantage of well actually there's four suits but there's only 18 cards per suit so it's a relatively speaking compact game at the basic level I then added extra cards for the advanced level of difficulty so that there's a bit more but it is the same kind of principle and it was a lot easier to, to develop but um, so that's kind of how it came to being and then since then there's been ideas for other things mm-hmm. the vote me was a bit more improv but that comes from again being um, in science and having to present at conferences and having master's students where they need to present their research and you get students in a room and they don't want to talk yeah but you need to to present your data so it was born from that element of actually some kind of game to promote people being vocal and that's why it's relatively speaking easy to develop that one because all it asks people to do is talk the rules are fairly simple of you vote for who if you think's best and didn't take as much time to develop so that's why that came out before Kazing because it balanced itself naturally because people are just talking and they self-regulate how it's balanced because people can vote for whoever they think's best and it's all personal preference so no hard rules were needed really um, and then I've got Six Gun Showdown that is currently in development because Kazing was getting near to the end, it was just hiding up the rules. It was like, well, let's get something else out that keeps my my mind interested in the development side of things. Um, and that's going through a lot more number crunching playtesting to make sure the different characters are balanced. So, um, But my wife is very good because she keeps me in line. And when I've got new ideas, she says, no. <laughs> focus on the ones that you've got so there's been a few other things that I've kind of scribbled in my um, ideas notebook things that I could follow up on but they're kind of held back until other things are further along was it um I mean you did when you did vote me um yeah I mean that was that was earlier on this year yes that you did that yeah um I mean, was that was that kind of a daunting time to kind of to put put something out on Kickstarter based on kind of like the behemoth that Kickstarter seems to have become? You know, I mean, yes. basically this year, you know. Um, it was always intended to be me learning how to use Kickstarter, and unfortunately, the first release coincided when I got um, reviewers' comments back to a paper so last year uh, I think sort of September time submitted one of my research papers and I'd kind of forgotten about it and then I was gearing up the Kickstarter at the beginning of the year and got the reviewers comments back and you've got a month to respond and I'm going ah but I had a deadline of I wanted to get things through onto Kickstarter and sort it out so that I could put an order in with the printers to have something to take with me to UK Games Expo. That was always my aim. Um, but it ended up being a Shredball Games, a small release, just so I could learn how to do Kickstarter, all the different bits of putting a page together, getting a printer sorted out, logistics and all of that, mm. because I'd never done it before. And it was a case of it doesn't need to be huge. It just needs to be something that I can learn from. And it did that brilliantly. Yeah. Uh, and people have found it and they've enjoyed the game. Uh, 
because basically it just involves talking for 15 minutes about all kinds of rubbish. <laughs> but you're right. I mean, it funded. I mean, it did yeah. what a lot of much more ambitious Kickstarters have failed to do. I mean, there's a lot of companies out there that are running Kickstarters with the same project for the second time now, for the third time now, because the first time now, for whatever reason, it didn't get the traction. It wasn't in the current zeitgeist or the the gods of Kickstarter decided not to smile on it for whatever reason. You know, it doesn't... I'm more and more perplexed by um games that games that fund games that fund immediately games that just don't seem to get kind of the any kind of traction at all a bit i mean you had a very very modest um target which was like 600 pounds yeah well in all honesty because i knew the levels were low and because i i've been my circumstances also had changed so I've been working for the University of Sheffield and my grant had come to an end. And so at that point, what happens is you get made redundant. As I've been working at the university for a number of years, I actually got redundancy pay. Mm-hmm. So actually a big bulk of the payment for the print run was redundancy pay. I'm now working in Sheffield in science, still doing different things, but I've now got a permanent contract. I don't have to chase grants as well, and I don't have to write research papers, mm-hmm. which also helps with the games development, means I've got more time. I don't have mm-hmm. to come home and be writing the science. But I just went, I can do something smaller because I've got this redundancy pay from working at the university for so long, yeah. not coming to an end and just being made redundant because there's no more grants. So it was, I'm learning on this one. I'll use most of that. I'll just get a little bit, just push it over the edge. Mm-hmm. Job done. Um, and, and it was so that I could say to people, I've learned, I've, I've spoken to printers, I've got all that sorted. Mm-hmm. I, I know what I'm doing now. I'm not going to go, give me all your money, please, thank you. Um, and you can trust me because I say so. <laughs> I want to be able to say to people, you can trust me now because I've done it once. I've gone through the principle. I know how to get a game two printers and back and out to people. Mm-hmm. Did you get it printed in the UK? I got it printed in Germany. Oh, right, okay. So, okay. But I'm looking at uh, printers in the UK, but potentially could go back to the guys in Germany as well as they did a good job, so. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. But keeping it fairly local. Okay. Uh, and obviously with the interesting political climate and Brexit, everyone's going, ah, but I think... The aim is to get things sorted before that's going to have a real issue this year. Yeah, it's kind of. Um, I mean, I, I don't know. It's like how do you get how do you get polit- how do you get political and non-political on a on a podcast where you've tried to stay away from the kind of the politics. Yeah. But I am um, I am particularly interested in seeing. Um, there's a lot of um, there's a lot of kind of companies running Kickstarters just now and I'm thinking you're going to be fulfilling <laughs> after March and I'm just interested to see kind of what kind of potential plans they maybe have for, you know, I mean, let's face it, if they're going to be fulfilling into the UK, 
um, or if they're using if they're using like say um, was it Happy Shopper in Germany mm-hmm. fulfilling and you know usually those they 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 fulfilled I think it was founders of Gloomhaven and Root so they fulfilled that from Germany into the UK and also you've obviously got Games Quest as well who are fulfilling yeah. from the UK into Europe as well so I'm interested we're interested to see kind of potentially what might what kind of might happen there and what kind of plans people have put into place to to kind of cover that off I mean um mm, yeah in, in, it's, investigations it's, are required so well, well I think the big difficulty is at the moment you could say I'll look into it but the reality is the politicians don't know what's going to happen yet <laughs> I so know. I kind of view Brexit today whether sensibly or foolishly as we know what's going to happen on the 29th of March yes. and because there's the transition period I reckon that you're going to get to Brexit day we know what's going to happen and during that transition period we'll be moving towards this is how it's going to be because you're not going to go no. I wake up on the 30th of March and everything's everything in is place. sorted yeah I know yeah because I know. I know. because I know. you know uh, bureaucracy doesn't work that quick no. you know no. you're lucky if things happen within about a week can't you so well, I saw was it um, Cesar from Alley Cat Games talking about his um, his shipment for Dice Hospital being kind of put through customs, and he's had to um, he's he's had to it's been held up at customs. He's had to pay for the storage while it's been held up at customs and investigated, and uh, while they kind of do the inspection and they do all the checks, and he says, well, it's potentially could have wrecked kind of Essen for them. Which was going yeah. to be something that was going to be kind of mega, kind of mega, mega important to the business in terms of he was saying, well, you know, it's a disaster because if they don't get them out quick enough, then it means they don't get to Essen. If they don't get to Essen, there's a there's backers that would like to, I guess, pick the game up, but there's also a large retail opportunity for people to actually purchase the game, you know, at Essen as well. So, you know, it's like in some ways, you know, the custom stuff just now can be a nightmare if you get caught in it. So it's just interesting to see. What the potential ramifications could be, kind of in in the kind of the future, which is why you know, which is yeah. why I was interested in kind of where you were potentially getting kind of things kind of printed. Well, well this is, because this is know. why I'm looking at the UK mm-hmm. uh, as one option, but the guys in Germany, um, it was approximately ten week turnaround time. Mm-hmm. So, as long as things are sorted by first or second week in January, yeah, which they're getting to be that case. Um, I've got most of the cards sorted. But it's just the current version of the artwork. The background's going to change from the one wizard I've used as a prototype for the last yep. year. I've got the guy who did the different artwork. If people have seen the Six Gun Showdown characters, mm-hmm. he's rejigging the backgrounds. So I've got two witches, two wizards for the artwork. So all that's going to happen is the old wizard's going to come out, the new bots are going to go in and I've got the card sorted. So I'm pretty sure that I'll be able to have files to the printers by early January. So even if it's in uh, Germany, that's fine because I know that they've been able to do a, a turnaround time to get yeah. things back to the UK before Brexit day anyway. Yeah, And yeah. that helps because they did that for me this year. So I know I can rely on them. Yeah. Yeah, as I say, it's interesting. It's an interesting topic, and it's going to be interesting to see kind of yeah. what happens for um, you know, kind of going forward. Um, it's going to talk- be very squeaky bum in March, April, <laughs> isn't it? 
<laughs> I just I don't. You know, I don't. I can't even. Um, I uh, as I've said many times before, I work with businesses that work on uh, that uh, sell on Amazon, and uh, it's. Um, there's a whole there's a whole thing I can go into about even kind of people kind of trying to protect trademarks at the moment. Um, don't even know what's happening with the trademarks because a lot of people have like the European trademark to mm-hmm. cover the UK and the whole of Europe, and they're not aware wow. if after that date the trademark is going to be um, is going to be applicable still. If they're going to have to get if there's going to be a lot of people that are going to have to reapply for the trademark based on the rules. They're hoping the grandfather rights will kick in, um, but it's again there's not been an official confirmation, which is. Very, very strange. <laughs> yes. You know, very, very strange indeed. But anyway, I didn't mean to get jump into that. Um, Kazing. Yes, Kazing. Games full of wizards. Yeah. I am obviously um, I'm having a drink as we speak because um, you know, you know, here here's to the wizards, and it's the only way I can get through this show. If I'm being perfectly honest, if we're going to be talking wizards. And magic and yes. pogs. There's pogs, also witches pogs, as Tom. well. No pogs, Tom. I, I promise not to say anything about <laughs> that subject. <laughs> Except obviously on Twitter. I, I, <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. I'm allowed to say Tazos though. I supported you with the Tazos. You did support me with the Tazos and I appreciate it. I appreciate it. I think um I think uh, me and uh, me and Emma are gonna be having words about these um about these pogs um, very, very soon, I think, if she comes back on the show, we're going to be pushing aside uh, Quirk to one side and we're going to be having a little chat about her attitude to pogs. And uh, But don't think I didn't forget the terraforming Mars comment, Tom. But I anyway. didn't say that. That wasn't me. <laughs> that was somebody else, wasn't it? Because I remember your discussion at um, Tabletop Scotland. But I've never oh, yeah, played yeah. terraforming Mars, so yeah. I don't know um, about its quality. I think um, I would have oh. ranted about something different, however. Yeah. So yeah. there you go. There you go. Actually, I think there's about three or four things I could have quite happily ranted about, but now, now's not the time. Like I, I am, I am the professional angry man shouts at cloud. I mean, you can, you can, you can give me, and I could rant about clouds or angry men shouting at clouds if they could have the need. Yeah. <laughs> it took me. Um, Damn you, cumulonimbus! <laughs> exactly. Get out of my face, Stratus. Um, anyway, but <laughs> Kazing, um, it's a it's a dainty, simple card game with levels of levels of of gameplay that you can get involved in. Yeah. Um, with the idea being that when a wizard casts or a witch casts a spell, they will move their wand in certain ways in order to make that spell kind of happen. And essentially, the more the more flicks of your wand that you manage, then the more points you will score. Um, is that correct in principle, Doctor? Yes and no. Because there's, there's three ways to play. Mm-hmm. So for one of them, definitely so. The longer the spell the more points you get. And that's yes. kind of a bit like the version card, you know, cards where you go, right, I've cast my spell, I get this number of points. You get through the deck, whoever's got the most points wins. And I've called that, loosely called, is the th- thaumaturgy um, mode of play. But there's the dual version where you're, it's a bit more like Magic the Gathering, where mm-hmm. 
the witches and wizards have got a certain amount of health and dependent on the complexity of the movement, that's how much um, power the spell's got. And if it's got a Kazam magic word, then you damage someone. If it's got a Zing, it heals you. So mm -hmm. there's two different ways of playing using the same set of cards. And then there's the third way where it's a bit like a clock version where you're collecting the different points. So if you think of a, per, a three by three grid, it's basically you've got a person there um, with their head at the top, um, which I've called position two, feet at the bottom, position eight. And you've just got the different places where you can reach your arm. So if you stand up, you put your right arm up in the air, that's position one. Yeah. You move it all the way to your left, that's position three. And it's all about this this space that you could put your wand or your staff into. And that's what it's trying to symbolize. Yeah. Um, and the complex, the difficulty of the movement um, card determines how much power you've got. So some are very easy, can be played anywhere. So a full circle can be pretty much played in any position. And so therefore that only scores one point of power. Yes. For some specific diagonal movements, there's only four places you can actually start at mm -hmm. to then finish. And so that gives you more power. But the different modes of play mean you're looking for different cards. A circle's a brilliant card if you're playing the Thaumaturgy version because it's really easy to get a longer spell, but it's rubbish if you're trying to do damage to someone where you only get one point of power, whereas a diagonal gives you four. Mm -hmm. And so it really affects how you look at the cards depending on what mode of game you're playing. So, um, but the other thing which is quite neat is there's a difficulty mechanic. So I've had... Uh, kids uh, as young as eight playing against their, their parents and the kids have got the slightly easier version of the game and they've had a competitive game against their parents or aunts and uncles and so it's designed that way uh, part of the inspiration was I want to play with my son, I yeah. want to be able to have a game where he can play and have a competitive game and I can play and have a competitive game whereas things like Scrabble or Lexicon or other things where Generally speaking, the older person has got the experience, has got the strategy or what have you. Yeah. And so has either whooping the younger one or has got to sort of falsely play down their skill. And I wanted something where actually whoever's playing, whether adult with child or an experienced player with someone who's new to the game, everyone can have a challenging game. No, I totally, I know, I totally agree with you. And the reason for that is I... Um, I've started regularly playing games uh, with my both my five-year-old son and my 12-year-old son as well. And with my five-year-old son, we were playing like, say, um, GKR Heavy Hitters, where if anybody knows that, that is a game full of cards, it's a game full of dice, it's a game full of tactics. And I was able to kind of strip it back just to play it into a simple... You know, here's one weapon, this is your range, here's the other guys, you don't have to do deployment of the robots, you were just going out and kind of attacking each other and kind of wrecking buildings. So we did that with um, with GKR, and he he had a lot of fun. It means that later on, the next thing I can do is I can introduce kind of like the next rule. Whereas obviously when my 12-year-old... Um, you know, you can play games kind of really proper now, which is kind of which is kind of cool. But there still can be some games which you maybe have to leave out certain rules just because of the level of complication that's kind of in, involved. And there's also other games that I still wouldn't kind of 
play. But then again, I mean, we played. Um, I played root with him um, mm-hmm. the other week with my twelve-year-old boy, and he picked it up straight away. Was able to play. Was able to understand it, and kind of had a had a had a kind of a jolly good time. So you saying to me that I can be almost having an asymmetrical game with you know either of them, and they'll both kind of understand it, and they'll also be on even footing with you know with the. Uh, with yeah. me, without me having to kind of, I guess, kind of dumb things down or take things out. That's kind of, that's really uh, kind of, that's really kind of interesting to me, to be honest. Yeah, that's the principle. And it gets to the point of when everybody at that level is scoring, mm-hmm. kind of, and it, because it does get to a point of where everyone knows what they're doing, they're casting the spells, they're generally getting top end of the points. And you go, right, okay, now you've hit that. We'll now both all play at the medium level. And it just knocks it up that step so that the people can feel like they're actually advancing through the game. Mm-hmm. And then there's still the top level of difficulty where you've got zigzag movements and V-shaped movements and other weird and wonderful things so that there's still that step up that if people are going, right, we've now feel like we've mastered this middle level, there's that top level of game so that people who, who, who really do like gaming could go, well, actually, I've got something there to really get it my t- sink my teeth into and do really weird and wonderful things with and you've got that as well so yeah yeah has it given you um with it being a deck of cards has it already given you kind of ideas for expansions i take it you know yes. the ability to kind of have different spells is already kind of almost like a, a kind of a given i guess <laughs> well uh the I have got ideas for an expansion. So there's one that I've already play tested, which is the challenges, mm-hmm. where people effectively have a spell book. So you've got a deck of cards, and those are sort of already written spells where you've got five prerequisites on there. Um, and if you're playing at the basic level, you've got to score three of them, medium level four, and top level five. Mm-hmm. And so they've got things such as you've got to end at this position, or you've got to have this kind of direction of movement, or you've got to involve this kind of resonance on there. And I was playtesting that one and discovered that if you've been play, playing at medium level, and they, which I had been doing, because all of us playtesting have played it enough times, we went, we'll jump in at the medium level. And then we went down to the easy level, and then we started struggling, because we went, oh, actually, we're getting too used to looking at the four prerequisites. Mm-hmm. We could actually have scored this earlier, just mm-hmm. by going for the three, but we'd lost it. We'd been playing too much at the medium level. So yeah. there's that that's around, but I'm putting together the rules for a similar version, which is the quests, which is where you'd go um, through an imaginary area to collect either unicorns or dragons or collect mushrooms from a cave, and that's where it involves the mana mechanic. And so it has certain resonances required in a certain level of mana. So right, okay. So again, but that's adding to this base game and it's taking the principles, just doing something extra, but that requires a little bit more development for the quests and I want to release them both together. So I've kind of held back a little bit on the challenges, but but the quests are there in principle. I just need to go and play test them sufficiently. Mm-hmm. But, I, but I wanted to see what the reception was as well to Kazing, to the base game. Yeah, but certainly yeah. there's more things that you can be done with that set of cards. It, yeah. It's building blocks for casting spells rather than you've got it, that's it, it's done by. It's like, no, here is the game, 
here are the first three ways to play. Here are the difficulty levels. Yeah. I've given you a stop point, but actually you can change at the end of the rules. There's, well, actually you can change the stop point if you want. Yeah. What you consider to be the game end. So I consider it a game, but also building blocks for other games like your standard deck of cards. Like a game, like a game system, basically. Yeah, well, you, you yeah. pick up a no- the normal deck of cards and you can play um, sevens with it, or you yeah. can play twenty-one, or you can play poker, or you can mm. play bridge, but it's still using the same set of cards. And I consider yeah. that there are more things that can be done with the set of Kazin cards. I just ne- haven't necessarily put my mind to them, and other people can put their mind to it. Yeah. So is there going to be a case of seeing, you know, opening it up to the community and seeing what they kind of kind of come up I'll, with? Yeah, definitely. If Kickstarter goes well enough, I'll get people who actually know how to do uh, websites to have a look at the Level <laughs> Games website and make yeah. something nice and and put together an area where people can add suggestions and create a resource. At the moment, I'm just having to curate it, and it's something new that I've not done before. So. There's information on there, but it's not as beautiful as I'd like it to be. But you know, there's only so much one person can do at a time. So, in terms of um, stretch goals, yeah, because you obviously you with vote me, it was like okay, I want to get this made. Are yeah. you are you approaching? Are you approaching Kazing with the same philosophy that let's see if we can get it made, or have you? Sat there and what actually? Well, we could let's look at kind of stretch goals for this. Let's look at kind of you know, um, what else we can add in terms of value to the game depending on the level that we fund. Or are you just happy yeah. to just say, Let's if I get the game made, brilliant, we can we can look at improving it kind of later on? So, in terms of stretch goals, there's going to be um, a, a sort of a, a point where things are happy. So, um, so I think probably something like second or third, there will be um, everyone's going to get a wand chucked in. Uh, but also, it's not just the fact of a wand to you um, because it's thematic, but also with the game you can stand up and actually act out what you're doing. But it also works really nicely as whose turn it is, so you can just pass the wand around. So it's something mm-hmm. that fits with the game, and so that's just going to be chucked in mm-hmm. at a certain level. But we're going to just as a lot of other people have done, make the game look nicer for those that have backed on Kickstarter. That's my aim for stretch goals yeah, because yeah. there's not much more I can add in. If it does phenomenally well, then I think I will chuck in the challenges or at least a good chunk of these challenge cards. But I I don't want to be sufficiently arrogant to think, oh yes, it'll definitely get to that. I just want it to be funded at the moment. And yeah. I've got the first few sorted out in my head because yeah. if it does do nicely enough to get to some stretch goals, brilliant, I'll be over the moon. If it funds, I'll be happy. So, um, yeah, it's just going to be a case of a better game to start off with with mm-hmm. some extra things put in for people that have backed. And if it does phenomenally well, then yes, there's these challenges that I can go, yeah, actually, we'll put in another 20 Thirty odd cards, and we'll include that into the game. Yeah, well, it I does. mean, it, it's a, it's a nice um, it's a nice challenge to be presented with. Yeah. To be in that situation where you're sitting there going, "Well, we have gone through our funding goal, and therefore I 
I actually need to sit down and think of some, you know, think of some additional stretch goals because we're funding yeah. kind of so well, which is, you know, always a always a nice place to be in, you know. Yeah, if you're well, exactly. And that was partly where I'd got the ideas from challenges a while back. Um, it, it was just wanting to make sure that everything else was focused on. And again, as I said earlier, trying to focus on the key bit and the challenges I wanted to keep with the quests. So mm-hmm. I kind of focused on them and I haven't focused as much on the quests part yet, but I think that's a job for November and December and over the Christmas period, subjecting mm-hmm. my brother and other family members of, right, now that you're confined to the house, I'm going to play test these editions with you. Wow. Wow. So. That's just, I mean, um, that could be considered um, potentially illegal in some countries, Tom. Holding people yeah, against the will and making them play spell casting games. I'm just saying. Uh, I'm not. I'm not judging. But they love me. I, I'm. Or something. I'm sure. I'm sure they. I'm sure they. They write that in the cards that they send you. Um, yeah. Under duress. <laughs> exactly. I wonder why we, my sister lives on Australia though. <laughs> she doesn't, because Australia doesn't exist. Haven't you seen the Flat Earth Society? Um, it's all apparently a big fake. Um, <laughs> What? How much is it going to be to open the book of spells to get your wand out and start playing about? What's the cost of entry? So there's it's going to be about sixteen pounds on Kickstarter. The retail price will be about eighteen pounds, um, and for the first sort of five six days, it will be um, there'll be an early bird option for people. Um, and like with Vote Me, if people buy lots because there's a team battle mode, so if you, everyone's got a deck and there's a sort of co-op competitive version in a bundle, you'll get a reduced price as well. So there's going to be a number of different options for people, but about £16 is the cost of entry, which for a game that can take anywhere and got different options is pretty good bargain, I think. It's nothing. It's absolutely nothing. Let's face it. If you went out and got yourself a takeaway, you'd probably spend 16 quid. Oh, easy. Yeah. Easily. Absolutely easily. I think it's a round of drinks in some places. So It's probably about two drinks in Edinburgh if you went up to the bar and got about two drinks. You could be potentially playing that, or maybe I'm exaggerating. It's been a while since I've been allowed out in the wild, Tom, if, right. I'm, being perf- if I'm being perfectly honest. Um, so, so, if, so, yeah... I- and that's the thing, it's a game that you can pick up a deck and you can play with up to five people. So in that yeah. respect, it's like, well, it's it's about £2.50 per person. So, Absolutely. Bargain. Absolute bargain. Look, look, you can't even get into the cinema for, for like that amount of money. We went. I went to the cinema at the weekend, it was 27 quid for two tickets. Ouch. Exactly. Stunning. Yeah. Stunning. Um, well, I, I just go to the the small person's Saturday morning, Sunday shows, so it's a little bit cheaper, but yeah, yeah there's a few things that I'm kind of going, yeah, <laughs> I'd really like to go to see those, but do I want to pay for a babysitter? Just wait till yeah, it comes no. on TV. Exactly. It'll be on, it'll be on various streaming services within about six months anyway, so, you know, yeah. why do I even bother? Um if people want to keep an eye on what you're up to, where do you exist on the interweb nets? So I'm on Twitter um, at Redwell Games and I talk yeah. about where I'm demoing at. Occasionally I bring up 
these things that begin with a P that I promised I wouldn't mention. Um, uh, and another bit, I exist on Facebook. Say it. No. Say the word. Say the word. Piggies. There you go. So, or, or, or an anagram of Spog. So, <laughs> um, but yes, on, on Twitter is where I'm most active. I post sort of longer things on Facebook. And mm-hmm. we do have a, um, a website as well of redwallgames.com, but it's got extra things on there, but I'm a bit bobbins at um, updating it. You know, I'm a biochemist, not a web designer, so <laughs> apologies. <laughs> Is that a Star Trek reference? <laughs> no, it's, it, it's just the simple fact, as I said, um, I can't paint and I can't do websites, but oh, I try my best go. at both. Exactly. So, but I heard I heard you got a fantastic singing voice, though. To be honest, um, I, 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 yeah, it's nearly as good as my face for radio. So, <laughs> oh my word! Um, we have got. I've got one more question for you. Okay, yep. you go to see the Grand Wizard, and the Grand Wizard he says. Hello, sir. He says, you have been exceptionally helpful in spreading the word of magic and wizardry and all that good stuff. And I'd like to reward you. And I'd like to reward you with three board games of your choice. He says, I can produce them from anywhere. You can have first editions, you can have second editions, you can have any kind of board game that you want. You just have to tell me and... uh, I will get somebody to create them for you because he's all talk and no action. This wizard, he'll probably get somebody more capable to do it than himself. But what three board games would you ask that wizard to produce? And they can be anything you want. So I have got World of Smog um, on Her Majesty's Service and I really like that game. So mm-hmm. I'd, I'd want to have that one. So that's one which is in my collection. But I'd like that one anyway because I think it's nice. Okay. Um, then, oh, does it have to be a board game? Can it be miniatures game? Yeah, of course it can be a miniatures so, game. So, um, so yeah, it. I, I'd also I think I'd have to take um, X Wing just because it's portable. Um, and is that the I, old X Wing or the new X Wing? Um, currently, it's only old X Wings, not tried new X Wing. So, is it a bit like New Coke? Um, <laughs> and the third one, oh, it have uh, it's got to be, I think it's got to be photosynthesis because I've played that once and I've not yeah. got that one yet. And it, it's a nice, sweet mechanic. So, I was, I was thinking about something like Goomahaven or something else, but I don't think I've got people or um, Twilight Imperium, but I don't have people that I can play that hours with so I think something oh that's... no 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 they would make sure the wizard's got friends and he would make sure oh. there's tons of people at play so if you want Gloomhaven or Twilight Imperium you can yeah it have to be something it would have to be one of those two something that you basically need to have unlimited time and unlimited space to be able to play and I'd go for one of those because which one I looked at them and thought um which one I'd go which, with which Gloomhaven one? over Twilight Imperium Here but um Know which way but, your uh, bread's buttered now, tell you. Well, it, it's a hard decision. As I said, I've kind of looked at them from afar and gone, I'd like to, but A, finding the space, and B, finding the time, I just don't think I'd get... You know, I, I like to play the games that I've got, and so, yeah, I, I've not gone down that 
road because I think they've languished in a cupboard for too long, which I think is unfair in games. <laughs> Until I've played the socks off them and then I kind of leave them uh, yeah. in the loft like I've done with my 40k stuff. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. We'll take all the links that you give us and we'll make sure yeah. they go in the show notes so we have notes to show. Um, if you want to find out what we are up to, what we're doing, things like that, go to Twitter, We're Not Wizards, go to Facebook, We're Not Wizards, go to YouTube, We're Not Wizards, go to Instagram, We're Not Wizards. You can go to our blog, which is we'renotwizards.blogspot.com. In the next couple of weeks, there's going to be what we think a kazing. Guess what? <laughs> it's going to have one big four-letter word. Um, no, that's not true. Um, Sing. Or <laughs> it's sick. <laughs> Ream. <laughs> um, you can go to our website, which is uh, we'renotwizards.com. You can email us, which is magic at we'renotwizards.com. You can find us on all the podcast catchers on Stitcher and Speaker. We're on Spotify. We're potentially going to be on Deezer. I don't know if anyone's heard of Deezer. It's another like music app, but apparently they were accepting um, people to ask and go onto their kind of player. So we've asked, and we'll see what happens. If you want to find us on the big bad fruit boy of the world, um, you can find us on Apple Podcasts. And as we say, if you like what you've listened to tonight, please drop us a subscription. Make sure you check out what's happening with Tom, Doctor Tom. And his wonderful game. But if you do like what you've listened to tonight, drop us a subscription and consider giving us a rating or a review. If you are going to be giving us a rating or a review, don't give us 10 stars because it makes give us big headed. What? Roman numeral kiss. Yeah, pretty much. Don't give us that. Or don't give us one because it makes us cry. Give us, <laughs> give us a five because it's in the middle and it's average. And we are just a little bit average. But the person who's not been average tonight is a rather wonderful, rather fantastic Dr. Tom Lovewell. Thank you. Thank you very much for being on, sir. Um, It's been an absolute pleasure and an absolute delight. There's only three more things that we have to do. The Mm -hmm. first thing... Damn it, I can't ask this question. Ah, right, okay, here we go. <clears throat> the first thing is to remember that we are many things, but we're not wizards. Are we wizards, Tom? Supposedly you're a sorcerer? Supposedly I am, definitely I'm hidden. Maybe you're a mage? Maybe I'm definitely a wizard. Do you know what I mean? Do you know what the funniest thing is, right? Stop, right. Pause, the, pause the podcast right now, yeah? Go and look mm-hmm. at the Twitter profile... And then come Are back to the Are you a zombie after... wizard king? Yeah, 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 that's pretty much that, it. That, that, that's... that's far more awesome. I think that means you're a necromancer, aren't you? <laughs> pretty much, pretty much. Kind, kind of an, an undead wizard. Exactly, exactly. The second thing is that, um, do you like swords, Tom? Yes. Do you like ma- swords. Do you like making swords, Tom? Uh do you like crafting swords, Tom? I would certainly have a stab at swordcraft. You would certainly have a stab at it, because basically um, um, we had a gentleman on a while ago called Adam from Adam's Apple Games, and Adam's 
Adam went on to kickstart successfully the game called Sword Crafters, and he's kindly said, would one of the listeners like a copy for themselves? And Sword Crafters is basically, it's a 3D build an actual sword out of cards, and it looks cool. That what sounds was, awesome. Um, it does. It, it is awesome. It's absolutely awesome. But what we're saying is that if you want to win a copy of Sword Crafters, then what to do is to send us a picture of yourself. Drop it in the DMs if you're a bit shy on, on uh, Twitter. Or if you're going to go, put it into Twitter. And uh, we use the hashtag, I'm a sword crafter, not a wizard. And uh, what we'll do is when we get enough in, me and Adam are going to check over them. And we're going to pick a winner. And we're going to send you a copy because it's very, very fantastic. So, And we'll, uh, we'll make sure that competition gets spread far and wide. Everyone and, uh, should enter because it will be awesome. And you can put a picture. It doesn't have to be an actual proper sword. It can be a sword made of anything. We want people crafting swords out of all types of things. Make out of like door frames and, and puppies or car bits, you know. Make out of trees, you know. Anything at all. Spaghetti. I mean, whatever takes your fancy. Just make us a cake that's a sword. You know, whatever you want to do. But just remember to, to add the hashtag and maybe you could get your own copy of Sword Crafters very, very soon indeed. Um, and... The last thing is to say goodbye. So it's a goodbye from Tom. Say goodbye, Tom. Goodbye, Tom. There you go. (laughs) Every single time. It's almost like I tell you to do it. It's almost like it's unscripted. I'm a performing monkey. (laughs) You're not a performing monkey. You're you're many things, but you're not a performing monkey. True. Um, That's the name of our next podcast, um, We're Not Monkeys. And... (laughs) It's a goodbye for me. Remember, uh, stay safe, roll sixes, uh, dot com. And uh, at the end of the month, when the moon is fat and All Saints Day comes lurking round the corner at us, where the, I guess, the veil between magic and reality becomes so thin that maybe you can reach through, move your hands in a circle, move your hands in a Z, move your hands in all different manners of things and you might not have a swish you might just have a kazing instead but until the next time goodbye goodbye everybody goodbye goodbye Goodbye. is it secret is it safe bye Wizard is never late. Nor is he early. He arrives precisely when he means to.